a science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, wow. out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This is a very special story. Last year, we ran a story from Sarah Peters on her epilepsy. A few months later, we had Peter Aguero, Sarah's husband, tell his version of that story. We never ran it because we knew this was coming. Sarah and Peter were both invited to tell the story together at TEDMED 2013. So, this story is from Sarah Peters and Peter Aguero. The story was recorded in April 2013 at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. From heading uptown on a crowded one train uh, to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. And it's one of those times that it, on the subway in New York where uh, there's so many people that to scratch your nose, you have to bring your hand up your body to do it. And everyone's pressed against everyone else's butt. And uh, I'm, I'm heading up to the hospital uh, to see my wife. She's been in there for five days. She has epilepsy and she's getting an EEG done and we're trying to get a seizure induced. Her parents are with her, uh, and I'm hoping to God that while they're there, the seizure happens, because in the 15 years we've been together, her parents have never seen a seizure, and they don't know what it is that we're dealing with. Um, I'm on the subway, I'm looking at the reflection of myself as we're underground in the window, and I just look exhausted. I am exhausted. I've hardly slept for five days. I have not bathed in five days. I have 36 metal electrodes stuck to my head for five days, all attached to these 36 little wires wrapped up in a piece of cheesecloth and plugged into the wall. I'm on camera 24-7, looking like an android sock monkey. And I'm staring at this screen, watching my uh, 36 little squiggly, scratchy lines go by. I'm in the hospital for an EEG. I'm an epileptic, so I've been through these a hundred times, but this one is different. Because lately, the seizures have been out of control. The doctors can't fix it. So I finally said to my doctor, look, just admit me to the hospital, hook me up, take me off my medicine, and don't let me leave until I have a seizure. And she said, well, I've never had a patient ask for that before. And I understand why, because seizures are Horrible. horrible. Seizures are horrible. Um, there's a third member in our marriage, and that's epilepsy. And it's always there, and it hides like a coward. There's some people that get auras, or they uh, maybe, you know, will have a smell, some kind of warning when there's a seizure imminent, and Sarah doesn't have that. It just happens immediately. I'm used to epilepsy. When I was a kid, my sister had it. And I would watch my mother, who's a nurse, take care of her while it was happening. And um, it was tough. The, re the reason why she's having the EEG now was the last seizure that happened, happened in the shower. 
Uh, we were in our apartment in Queens, and I heard a crash. I said, baby, are you okay? And I didn't hear anything back, and I ran into the bathroom, and she was face down in four inches of water, uh, seizing. She had hit her back on the faucet and cut her back wide open so hard that she bent the pipe. And I reached into the bathtub, and I held her out of the water as best I could. For that two minutes when a seizure's happening, it's, she's not my wife anymore. She's an empty bag of meat. She's not shaped like any human is shaped. She doesn't act like any human acts. And uh, it's terrible. And I just want her to come back. She loses consciousness. And I pull her out of the water and I bring her into the bedroom. And I just hold her and then the post-ictal state starts. It's after the electrical storm happens in her brain as if she's a computer rebooting. And it's always in this time when I'm afraid she's never gonna come back. I don't remember any of this. I lose about 25 minutes of my life every time I have a seizure. Um, the only thing that I really, <laughs> it's like I'm not even there. And sometimes I worry that next time I won't come back from wherever it is that I go. When I do come back, the first thing I think is fear. Uh, the first thing I remember hearing is usually my own voice saying, I'm scared, please help me, I'm so scared. I get so scared. As much as I've seen it happen throughout my life, I get so scared. I, I do what my, I saw my mother do for my sister where I just hold her and tell her, you're okay, you're safe. I love you, you're a good girl. Everything's gonna be okay. The thing is, I can't imagine my life without her. But every time I call home or I text and she doesn't get back to me, every day I imagine her dead. Nobody would want to have a seizure. And that is what I've signed up for this week. I am trying to do the thing that I hate and fear the most. But I really don't have any choice. I have to do this because we need answers. And the doctors don't really have them because, um, you know, for a really long time, they thought we were possessed by demons, which might be true. They thought that we were just really oversexed, which might be true. But mostly, <laughs> they, mostly they just threw us in asylums and forgot about us. So they don't have the answers because until pretty recently, they weren't looking for them. So I'm here to do my own research. I am parked in front of this monitor, watching these lines, trying to figure out how to make them just do something wonky. So I sit down, I think really hard about work, which makes me angry. And then I think really hard about sex. And then I think really hard about seizures. Nothing, nothing works. So then I think, oh, okay, I'm gonna run in place, and I'm gonna do jumping jacks. Nothing works. And so I deprive myself of sleep all this time, and I order five pots of horrible hospital coffee every night to deprive myself of sleep, and still nothing works. And I'm starting to get really frustrated, and I scream and want to punch the monitor because this has to work. This has to work. Epilepsy's been controlling our life. We're scared all the time. We, Sarah can't leave the house. She's been there constantly. We can't have somebody watching her all day. She can't wear a helmet. I can't put her in a bubble. So I'm, a, I'm a performer, and, and we live in New York, and I'm always out late. I have to be in bed by 10 o'clock. 
And you know, you go out late and you're at a bar, I get to have a couple of drinks, take the edge off, it's nice. I'm not allowed to drink alcohol. I got to go out of town a lot. I haven't crossed the street unattended in over two months. And for me though, the worst thing isn't the seizures or the fear or the limitations, it's the loneliness because I'm home most of the time just by myself. I don't see anybody and my husband's out all day and then when he comes home, I'm still lonely because I feel like I'm just in the way. Like I'm just this burden and I feel so guilty for putting him through this and I just hate the way that he looks at me now, like how he's about to leap out of his skin every time I move because he thinks I'm about to have a seizure and how he doesn't look at me like a woman or like a wife, he just looks at me like a sick person. And I know that he's angry and I know that he must I'm resent me. I'm not angry at her at And I, all. I know that None there was some time fault. when I was she fun could and funny and it, she strong have and a real person, but like, I'm like dealing this with demon this wasn't just inside me ready to come out, to see but I just can't at every find that person anymore. And I can't understand what's going and on. And I know that she existed, but I'm having a hard time remembering who I was and what it feels like to be her. It's just the three of us. It's me and her and it. This has to work. This has to work. So here I am, day five, still waiting. Peter's on his way and I don't want him to come because uh, last night he was here and we argued because I was joking around with the nurse because I'm trying to have a sense of humor about this thing and he got mad. He said... That you're not taking this seriously. And I said, of course I'm taking this seriously. If I wasn't taking this seriously, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but this. You know, we have to figure this out, and you're sitting there making jokes with the nurse about stuff. We made up, eventually. He we went kissed. home to have another night off from playing nursemaid. A night off. So, uh, this afternoon, it's the day five, and I'm on my way back to the hospital after that night off, and uh, the afternoon off, if you can have an afternoon off. And I get to the hospital, and I come up, and I go into the room, and I see her there, and, and, and her, her mom uh, and her dad are there, and the seizure didn't happen. Her, da her mom gets up, and she says, oh, it's good to see you. I got to head back. She lives in Connecticut. And her dad says, all right, it's good to see you. I got to go. And he's heading back to Staten Island. Might as well be a million miles away from, from us in Queens. And uh, I say, hey, Carl, can I talk to you real quick? And I follow him to the elevator. And uh, I lose it. And Carl, man, I don't know what's going on. Man, I, I'm going crazy. Every time she moves or twitches or anything, I'm jumping out of my skin. I can't take this anymore, man. We need some help. I can't do this. I, I just can't do this anymore. I, I'm all alone here, man. Like, I don't know what I want you to do, but can you do something? Because I don't know what we're doing anymore. It's driving me crazy. We need some help, man. We need some help. And he just looks at me and he says, he says I don't know what to tell you, Pete. She's your wife. And I, I shake his hand and he leaves and I walk back into the room and I see her there in these little green pajamas with flowers on them. She's got all the stuff on her hair, but man, she looks so pretty. I'm ugly, I'm freakish, I'm dirty, I'm exhausted. And I know that something must be about to happen soon because my mind just feels frayed at the edges. Like my body is here, but the rest of me is just a couple inches this way and it's 
so I, it takes all my concentration just to see straight now. It takes all my concentration just to complete that sentence. And then it happens. All of a sudden, she lifts up on the side. She turns to the left, and the seizure just hits her. And it's everything I can do not to reach down and hold her in my hands and tell her it's going to be OK, but I got to stand back because the cameras have to get it, and the monitors have to get it. And alarms start going off, and then the doctor comes in and the nurse, and we're standing over this gulf of my wife going through this seizure, and I'm doing everything I can not to hold her, but we have to get it. And after about two minutes, the doctor uh, signals to the nurse, and they put a shot of Ativan into her IV, and then she goes unconscious. And I go with the doctor into the nurse's station, and they rewind the monitors, and they show me, look, we got it. I say, all right, she'll be out for a little bit. I'll be, I'm going to go outside and get some air. So. I go downstairs and I go around the block and I go to a bar and I sit down and I ask the bartender to give me the biggest glass of whiskey he can by law. <laughs> because it's a celebration now because we got it and I guess it's a victory. It's nighttime and I'm alone and I realize I'm in a hospital. And I remember why, and I try to sit up, and my arms immediately go out. My, I, my whole body is just sore and weak. And the nurse comes in, and she says, good news, you finally had that seizure. And I was like, really? I, I don't remember anything. She said, well, we gave you a big old shot of Ativan, knocked you right out. Um, and your husband was great. He was so calm, but he went out to have a few drinks, and he will be back in a little bit. So later on. Peter shows up, a little bleary-eyed, and <laughs> he smiles at me with this big smile. I said, baby, we got it. You did a good job. <laughs> and I said, uh, I, he collapses on top of me, and, and, just just, and, and he's kissing her, and we're laughing for the first time in weeks. We're laughing. Arms, we're just laughing and kissing and telling me to love each other. And then all of a sudden, the nurse runs in, and she's freaking out because I guess I knocked some stuff loose. And she said, "I looked on the monitor. We thought there was a bear got into the hospital." <laughs> And she, and, and Peter just goes and he starts hugging her and he's crying hugger. and I'm crying and then the nurse starts crying and we're all just crying and happy and laughing, laughing because we're so relieved. We, we got think, it. We've got it. This, this is going to work. And then I give her a kiss. I say, baby, go to sleep. Tomorrow morning we're going to take you home. So the next day, the doctors come in. The entire neurology department comes in like this, and they're just all so excited and a Twitter and shaking and smiling like they're about to meet a celebrity because apparently my brain is such a little overachiever that it has two different kinds of seizures awesome. at the same time. And this is something that they'd heard legends of, but they'd never actually met one in person. <laughs> so now we can make some new plans, and maybe we don't have all of the answers, but we have some answers, and that means we have some hope. Now it's three years later, and uh, Sarah still has seizures. As a matter of fact, she had one about two weeks ago, was the last one, and she was with her father, so he finally saw one, so that's great. <laughs> he loved it. He, he loved, loved it. it. Um, but, you know, I feel still a lot of times that, that we're swimming in this like ocean of chaos all by ourselves, just the two of us all by ourselves, and we're never going to get a cure, but we want to find some treatment. But the thing is that as long as we're together, we're never going to be alone. Thank, Thank you. you.
That was Sarah Peters and Peter Aguero. Video of this story is available at tedmed.com. You can also listen to Sarah's story on her own at storycollider.org and can find a longer version of Peter's on the Moth Radio Hour at themoth.org. That's T-H-E-M-O-T-H dot org. Originally from New Jersey, Sarah Peters now lives in Sunnyside, Queens with her charming, maddening husband. A tech writer whose work focuses on IT security, she's currently editor-in-chief of a web publication for IT professionals and is also a storyteller and actor. She's been a rower, a ballerina, a track runner, a hula hoop instructor, and is an occasional and very poor surfer. Peter Aguero was born and raised in the wilds of South Jersey. He is a Moth Grand Slam champion, host of Moth Story Slams, and an instructor for the Moth Shop Community Program. He's also the lead singer of the BTK Band, New York City's hardest drinking improvised storytelling rock band. Peter loves his mom. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where you have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel Shapiro. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. A huge special thanks to Lisa Shufro, Shirley Bergen, Jay Walker, and everyone else at TEDMED for bringing Sarah and Peter down to tell their story. They also had myself and Aaron Barker give a short talk on storytelling and science. You can find that by Googling Story Collider and TEDMED. Additional special thanks to the Kennedy Center for hosting TEDMED and to the wireless at TEDMED for not catching fire, which is something that happened the year before. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.